At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. The fighting is over. The portals have all been closed. The bloodied figure of Doomguy slumps down in a corner, finally gaining some rest after defeating Hell once again. He takes his helmet off and lets out a massive exhale, attempting to shrug off the unbelievable amount of violence he has caused on this day. It is then that a figure can be seen walking into the hangar as the Guardian of the Galaxy Groot enters the scene. Groot is there to follow up on the reported attack of the base and sees Doomguy slouched. Attempting to interrogate the Slayer, Groot approaches him saying, I am Groot. But Doomguy doesn't understand. He shoots back up to his feet, grabs his weapon and thinks, looks like I missed one. Groot understands the body language of someone about to attack, so he readies himself for combat, and we are in for one hell of a fight. It's the Flora Colossus versus the Demon Slayer. It's the Man of Three Words versus the Man of No Words. It's Groot versus Doom Guy today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on two characters from the worlds of comic book, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, the one and only Ray Stacanus. You know, today we're bringing you a pretty interesting matchup. It consists of two characters that individually are often requested to be in a Who Would Win matchup. On one side, you have whom I consider an OG of gaming. It's the Doom guy himself from the Doom video game series versus someone who's recently risen up the ranks of popularity in Marvel thanks to Guardians of the Galaxy. Of course, I'm referencing Groot. Now, I did the patented who would win Google test to see how many people have been talking about it. I assumed it would at least be thousands. This kind of surprised me. No one. No one was talking about it. Yet again, right, Ray, we're bringing you a premier, a uniquely premier matchup of geek culture to the fans 
Ray, I'm really interested to hear what your opinion is of this. Tell us what you think of today's matchup. I could not be more excited, of course, about this matchup. Look, we sit in these boardroom meetings, you know, to crack open the door, pull back the curtain a little bit. We have these extensive boardroom meetings. We often kind of let people catch a little glimpse of, but not talk about too very much on this show. But we have me and you, we have producers, we have our writers, we have all kinds of different people for the show all set up in this room, and it is it is very much like a, a who would win battle every week just to determine who gets on the show, because first off, we have to determine what character we want to use, and then the actual meeting happens where we say, we know we have one character. Who's the second? Let's go over all the suggestions. Yes, everybody at home. All the suggestions, Al Bundy suggesters. <laughs> and we look at every possible matchup to try to break down which would be the favorite ones, and if the people don't always give us the one that we're looking for, then we say, well, who's similar to the suggestions that might fit the mold of what we're looking for better? And that's often how we get a matchup like this one. Although, of course, you know, Groot Doom Guy being two very popular characters, we've been getting them suggested a lot. Not as much a case here. My point is we spend a <laughs> unacceptable amount of time coming up really with these is. matchups. I think, James, you could speak to that. We go back and forth and people leaving the room, throwing things, people oh stomping gosh. out, shouting. Me deciding I like a matchup but would not want in conversation, so I, I just run from the room because then we can't continue the meeting and we have to go with it. <laughs> Look, all of these things happen, okay? And I'm glad they do. You know, it, it, it's really interesting. Listen, we love input from the fans, right? The whole Who Would Win production team's like, hey, what are the fans having to say? And there's some amazing suggestions. And I hate to, I really hate to echo what Ray Stekanis does, but when we get some of these suggestions, I'm not pointing fingers at anyone. But there are a few where I'm like, did you not have your ginkgo biloba? Did 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 you not have breakfast today? What's going on? How how do you think this is a good idea? Ray and I sometimes after the meeting, it's actually really interesting. We have our whole meeting. They come up with two two people, and the odd time Ray and I look at each other, we create a temporary truce, go back home, and then start texting each other. Yeah, that's a horrible concept. Who's really fighting this week? We come up with a great suggestion sometimes. Bring back to the team. It is a whole freakishly long process are you now, actually Ray, are you actually admitting when we do a veto i can't believe you're actually saying that out loud <laughs> a, listen sometimes you got to protect the production team from itself it's correct correct i i think i'm gonna be getting an email from hr uh, after the show with that being said i think really what it comes down to is that you understand video game physics better than probably anyone i know probably right and you've done a great job of kind of helping me understand that but i think at the end of the day we both agree. It's really the judge who's going to have to say yes or no to a lot of what we bring up. Would you Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. And that's why I'm interested to see where this goes today, because we have quite possibly our most interesting judge of all time on the show. I could not agree with you more. I'm both happy and intimidated mm -hmm, by our fair. judge. And I think that's dead on correct. So making yet another appearance on the Who Would Win show, it's fan favorite and a household name in the Who Would Win fandom. It's the one and only... Eve Esquire. Eve, welcome back to Who Would Win. I'm a house and favorite. I'm just correcting your pronunciation. Oh. Hi, everybody. I, Thanks for having me back. Man, five seconds on the show. In advance. Five seconds on the show, and she's already correcting you. All right. That's a bad sign. Stop, don't make me ding you points for being Canadian again. <laughs> <laughs> We've apologized for Celine Dion on many occasions. Now, Eve, your talent and your accomplishments know no bounds. Please regale the fans of Hoodwin and tell everyone what you've been up to. Well, lately, I've just, I've been doing some deep dives in my Marvel Unlimited subscription. So I've been going and just 
devouring. I mean, after like this year we've had of Marvel on Disney Plus, I mean, how can you not? And just examining like how many Lokis there are, the backstory of the Scarlet Witch, it, it's been fascinating. I've been putting a lot of my thoughts onto my TikTok, which is Junk Food Genius 5K. So if you like psychological walkabouts in the mind, that check me out. I've gone viral. <laughs> I'm not lying. I, I, hey, I'm in favor. I, this is actually something I've been wanting to ask you for a while, and I, and I ask everyone I know who loves the, the Marvel series on Disney+. Plus. I'm one of those people, by the way. Do you prefer movie format or episodic over, say, at least you know eight to ten episodes? Well, I think the thing they did right was that like WandaVision particularly felt like a limited series that you would have in a comic book. And like if you read like the, the Vision limited series, which was just like mind-blowing, and so original. And it's like, I felt like I watched a comic book on my TV. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is just an accomplishment of storytelling. I think Falcon the Winter Soldier kind of stumbled. I know they had some issues with their vaccine plot line being cut, which kind of gutted that. But that felt more like a long form movie. I, I don't know if it translated as well for me, but like Loki hit the sweet spot for me because mm-hmm. I thought it was just going to mm-hmm. be a ripoff Doctor Who send the Marvel Universe and it really surprised me with just how much not that it was. So interesting. So you're saying if it, it's all in the execution. If I'm not mistaken. I think I, I tend to steer away from the military aspect of Marvel because I'm like, all right, I grew up in a military base. It doesn't mm. do much for me, but I did not grow up in a make-believe suburb created by Wanda. Fair. So that's There's so few of us that have that, yeah, you I, know, had that experience. Just me, as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so last question before we get started, Eve. If you could be given the green light to do any type of either limited series or standalone movie within the Marvel Universe, because everyone, again, appreciates the genius of Eve Esquire, what would it be? I, X-Men First Class, not not the great movie, not the best movie of the franchise, but <laughs> specifically the comic book series, X-Men First Class, where it featured the Xavier Five, and they told more, like, personal stories. He got to see the Human Torch, Iceman, and Spider-Man hanging out and being 16. I, to me, it's just one of the funniest, most... I think that really kicked off a new renaissance in Marvel. I would just love to see, like, hey, nothing crushing's going on. We're using Mastermind as a hat rack. Let's just be young and weird. <laughs> I gotta tell you, seeing uh, X-Men First Class written and directed by Eve Esquire, I can see it. Thank you. I could see that on either Disney Plus or on a, a major marquee for like a ten-pole movie. Just saying, if you're listening to Hollywood, because I know you are, make it happen. Right. Look, I'm just saying you're going to get a scene with Jean Grey with chicken pox, realizing she can scratch them telekinetically and feeling oh. very stupid about it. You're not going to get that in an X-Men movie. <laughs> I'm not sure how I feel about that particular scene. <laughs> that could be great, or I'm sure if it's Eve Esquire, it's going to be great. <laughs> All right, with that said, we've got Eve Esquire as a judge. We've got Race to Canis with Doom Guy. You got me with Groot. We've got the entire formula for another epic Who Would Win show. With all that being said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Marvel Comics, the living tree who doesn't take any guff because he can leaf whenever he wants to, Groot. <laughs> And representing id Software, the demon slayer who's been through so many portals that he found the cake, Doom Guy. <laughs> Sir, it's a was... video game reference, James. Don't worry about it. 
It's okay. No, I liked. It. I actually got that. I, I feel oh. like Captain America: The First Avenger, I, or the Avengers movie. I I understand that reference. Okay, great. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Now, Ray, we talked a little bit before the show about Doom Guy, and Doom Guy's always been amazing, and recently he's become even more amazing. What version of Doom Guy will you be using today? What's really amazing? about the Doom Slayer, a.k.a. Doom Guy, is that in software, the people behind the franchise insist that it's the same guy in every single version of the game. So it is one cohesive storyline, never mind that they jumped 100 years at one point. It's James, the same guy. So I will just say I'll be using Doom Guy. Yeah, I did some research on this, and all I can say is fantastic. <laughs> this is going to be a fun fight. All right, now listen, I'm going to be using Groot from the Marvel 616 universe. Again, no surprise I'm going with the comic book version. There's great versions in the animated form. Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy is fantastic, but when I researched the character and I saw some of the crazy feats, I had to go with the comic book version. I swear to the audience, someday I will not use the comic book version. Unlikely. I swear to you, probably not going to happen ever. All right, rule number four, debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case of defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. And finally, rule number six, the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. Good thing we have Eve Esquire here, someone who will absolutely, if she so desires, veto anything Ray or I have to say very quickly. It's a fact. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Hoodwin store. Get your official Hoodwin t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. Remember to keep an eye out for new merch all the time. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
And now let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on Doom Guy. Doom Guy is a former space marine who fights the minions of hell. He was created by John Romero and first appeared in the video game Doom back in 1993. Wearing iconic green armor and wielding a vast array of weapons, Doomguy began as a silent and masked protagonist to give the player the fullest sense of immersion possible. Doomguy served as a Marine until he was dishonorably discharged for attacking a superior officer who ordered him to shoot unarmed civilians. Now, working as security on the Phobos base, he was front and center when portal technology testing went awry resulting in scores of demons to invade the base. Doomguy was able to destroy the demons, close the portal, only to have the exact same thing happen over and over again as new <laughs> games got made. When will humanity ever learn? Fun fact, Doomguy has been to my house. Well, basically, let me explain. While the character <laughs> was silent for most of his existence, the 2020 game Doom Eternal added a voice to the man. In this case, it was the voice of VO superstar Matthew Watterson. Matthew has voiced many memorable video game characters, such as Parthenax the Dragon from Skyrim and the super mutant scientist Virgil in Fallout 4. Well, he also happens to be a family friend who has come over to my house for gatherings before. And boy, was I surprised to find out through researching this that he voiced Doom Guy as well. <laughs> Way to go, Matthew. You've been to my house. And that is Doom Guy. So that's, an, that's actually a really crazy cool fact. But I, a quick question. So you're saying Doom Guy went from security guard mm -hmm. to like savior of the universe. Correct. Like, it, I mean, that is quite the 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 upward mobility well, leap. James, one would say he was working a little under his station. What with him being a former, you know, space marine and all. That's fair. That's fair. I still think that's pretty cool. Look, Security if, guard to, you know, look, destroying demons and saving the universe. Just because Paul Blart was a mall cop does not mean he cannot <laughs> stop terrorists. You know, when you're right, you're right, Ray Stacanus. I, I I got nothing for that. All right, cool. Here are the details for Groot. Group first appeared in Tales to Astonish number 13, November of 1960, and was created by Stanley, Jack Kirby, and Larry Lieber. Groot is a sentient plant being from the race known as the Flora Colossi from Planet X, the capital of the branch world. Groot did not get along with his fellow saplings, instead preferring the company of the maintenance mammals, who the other saplings treated with prejudice. After Groot killed another sapling to defend a maintenance mammal was brutalizing, as well as releasing a human subject that was kidnapped for scientific purposes, he was exiled from the planet. Finding himself in Kree space, Groot was promptly captured and imprisoned. While in jail, he formed a rapport with Rocket Raccoon and was assigned to a covert ops team led by Star-Lord, whose goal was to assault Hala and defeat the alien race known as the Phalanx. Since then, he and Rocket Raccoon have become longtime companions, as well as being a mainstay in the Guardians of the Galaxy team. And here's an interesting fact about Groot. Did you know that Groot has a very specific reason for why he only says, I am Groot? It's true. It turns out that Groot understands English perfectly, but just can't pronounce it. Due to his stiff voice box, his species, being made of wood, has such stiff voice boxes that they can only say, I am Groot, in different tones. So the language consists of different intonations of that one phrase. This is similar to Mandarin, where in order to differentiate meaning, the same syllable can be pronounced with different tones. This is why Rocket Raccoon can understand Groot, as they spend a lot of time together, and as a result, Rocket understands what each intonation of I am Groot actually means. And now you have the facts on both opponents. Eve, do you have any questions before we get started? 
Oh, yes. Many, as always. Uh, <laughs> one, I'm very excited. I'm actually getting ready to do a deep dive into Guardians of the Galaxy because I know Moondragon is part of it, and I'm a big new Defenders fan. That would be another project I would do, but no one would care but me. <laughs> so I do want to... Can I ask a few... I, of course I can ask a few questions. I can do anything I want. You're the judge. You've got That's the power right. here. So, James, you said that Groot hung out with maintenance mammals? That's correct. They did the manual labor, maintained whatever needed to be maintaining. What kind of mammals were they? Cute ones. I'll say that. Very cute. Lots. And also humans were among them. Any okay. other questions? Yes. God, right. This story is so charming. I can relate to this already. Being somebody who, like, I'm like a data pusher in my day job. I can rise to the occasion. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure if a space portal happened where I worked, I too would step up to the plate. So this is just, this is just fascinating already. Because, like, I've kept myself very clean for this match for once. I don't have any preconceived notions except Ooh. for my experience of being in the 90s when Doom was a thing. Mm -hmm. So I think we're off to a good start with two good people. I love it. Okay, cool. Ray. Go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for Doom Guy. I'm just going to open by talking about the array of weapons that Doom Guy has access to because it's pretty much the same general arsenal, game after game after game. Now, there are a little like tricks, and there's like a grappling hook that we added in one of the more recent games, which allows him to like catch demons and then fly through the air and then zip line right at them and then punch them over and over again. But I'm going to focus on the classics right here, because the thing to remember is in the world of Doom, all the demons are generally immune to human weapons, which is crazy. They're all immune to standard weapons, which means all of the other space marines and security and what have you, for whatever reason, none of them can really do anything against these demons. They just shrug everything off. But Doom guy is so powerful that he is the exception. So he's out there rocking a chainsaw, for example, or a double bladed chainsaw two chainsaws going in the same direction, I should say. Uh, and he's able to cut and sever and tear through demons and knock them in half and cut off limbs and cut off heads. And he's able to work all of his magic against the various hosts of hell, okay? Not just that, he has access to pistols, shotguns, a chain gun, which is essentially like a Gatling gun, like Jesse the Body Ventura used to rock in the movie Predator, where it just fires off a whole lot of bullets, and he can bring down all kinds of zombies, as well as hosts and demons and all the other monsters, which I'll talk about the monsters themselves a little bit later, but understand they rank in power from your average turned zombie all the way up into very, very gigantic titans. Now, he also uses shotguns, his super shotgun, once attached a meat hook to the end of it, because why not? That's a thing that he can do. He likes to move up his game as well. He's used rocket launchers, which he just fires off rocket, rocket. They're almost like rapid fire rockets that just one after another pelt into his enemies, blowing them all up at the same time. And if there's one thing I've known about Groot from the comic books is he is susceptible to explosions. He can explode. We've seen it happen time and time again, where he offers up his own body to protect others, to protect his team, to protect the mission, and he's blown up. Additionally, plasma gun. Plasma generates a heck of a lot of heat. He uses plasma guns. Also, a weapon called the Unmaker, which is a demonic laser gun, which rapidly fires paralyzing red slugs and can be upgraded in firepower uh, through the collection of items in the game. The big thing to know is, though, that these paralyzing red slugs can stun enemies when they're hit. 
So if he's going to shoot the Unmaker at Groot, they stun the enemy for two to three seconds, not allowing them to attack, but they still can move. So Groot could still move, but if you don't have any offense coming at Doom Guy, he's going to close the gap and he's going to do some terrible, terrible things. And then the final big weapons, the Crucible, which he hasn't used a ton in the game. It's a melee weapon. It's a godlike melee weapon that one hits essentially anything that he hits. So if he hits Groot with the Crucible, he's going to take him out in one shot. I will say for James's sake, though, it's generally more ornamental than used in the actual gameplay, so I'm not going to lean on it too heavily. But we also have the BFG 9000, which is the biggest, most powerful gun basically in all of Doom. It fires these green electricity bolts. What is the best way to describe this? It fires, as Will Smith would say, that green stuff. And it's going to melt, explode, destroy absolutely everything in groups that it hits. Of course, we all know that the BFG 9000 stands for big. Oh, I'm actually not allowed to say that on this show. My point is we got sponsors. It's a big gun and he's not afraid to use it. And that's my point. Number one. Look, all said and done, Doom Guy is impressive. He's got a lot of great weaponry, and he knows how to use it. What's really interesting to me, what I loved about playing Doom back in the day, is that he, correct me if I'm wrong, he shoots while moving. It's not like he has to stay stationary, lock his body into position for the kick that's going to come back from the gun. Oh, no, he's running full speed forward while shooting the BFG. This is an impressive character. He is the king of strafe combat, that's for sure. All right, a couple of questions. Now, when you said, I I did a little research on some of the weapons. Are there some weapons that are solely designed for these, like, demons he's fighting? So if he were to shoot them at a non-demonic entity or creature, is there a chance that one or two of these would not work? I feel where you're going with that, and I would argue that maybe things like the basic shotgun, the chain gun, the pistols, I don't think those would have a great effect on Groot because I know he has a good defensiveness about him with all the wood. But when you're shooting plasma, when you're shooting rockets, when you're shooting whatever the BFG shoots, I I have to say those are going to affect Groot. So I would say some of the weapons, but not all the weapons. Got it. But there's no weapon that is like, hey, it only works on demonic beings. I can shoot this at a person. It's fine. So am I mistaken in that regard? Generally, if you're hitting demons and hurting them, it's something that is like overkill against a human, quite frankly. That's actually a fair point. Okay. So what we have is Doom Guy who's got this walking arsenal, mastery of how to use it, and can use it running at full speed and has taken out some massive opponents and massively powered opponents with it. Would you say that's a fair statement so far? I believe so. All right, great. So let me get to my point number one. And instead of weaponry, let's talk about Groot's base powers. Now, what's interesting about Groot is that within the Guardians of the Galaxy, almost every iteration of Guardians of the Galaxy within the comic books, Groot is considered the powerhouse. Now, that's really freakishly impressive because that's usually with a team with Drax the Destroyer on it. Now, Drax the Destroyer in Marvel 616 universe, the comic book universe, was designed to be able to kill Thanos. And he's not, at at best, he's number two on the team because Groot is more powerful than that person. So let me get into some details here. Now, Groot has super strength. According to the Marvel Wiki, and a lot of examples kind of support this, Groot has strength that is stated to be incalculable. What I'll say is that he's got strength feats that are very similar to you know a baseline Hulk who has class 100 strength, which means he can lift or press 100 tons quite easily. He's super durable. Ray, you've already talked about it, but his body, Groot's body is composed of what's called super dense wood that makes him immune to all kinds of conventional weapons, including gunfire, fire itself, large explosions, and actually even to quite an extent, energy weapons. There's a great example of Groot being on this platform that was dipped. It was a platform made of adamantium. 
and he was dipped into this alien volcanic magma and he got immersed into it. And when they pulled the chain, whichever that was destroyed, kind of back up, he was hanging on it. He was okay, but the adamantium platform was completely destroyed. That is a very durable thing. Now, here's the deal. I don't want to say that's a one-off. I found other cases where Groot is super durable, but that's definitely the highest level of durability I've found. Let's see. He's super elastic. Uh, super elastic. He has very similar properties in his elasticity as, as uh, Mr. Fantastic. And it's been calculated that Groot can stretch out parts of his body, branches, or what have you, up to 400 meters you know, per stretch, which is pretty impressive. And he's got the same control if it stretches out or what have you. He's got super healing regeneration. He can heal from almost anything at Deadpool levels and even faster than Deadpool in some cases if he needs to regenerate a body part. Because why? Speaking of body parts, Groot can grow back and manifest any body part on his body he wants. For example, uh, instead of losing a body part, he was taking on this alien army and he found a whole bunch of weapons on the ground. He said, I've only got two arms. I know what to do. I'll grow six more. So he grew six more arms with his two, grabbed all the weapons and just kind of like a maniac started shooting away. That's what he can do. He's got the ability to manipulate his size. He can grow to the size of a kaiju, Godzilla-sized kaiju, to a huge skyscraper, and he can shrink himself down to a splinter. That is actually pretty impressive. He's also got a level of super speed. Now, what that means is that he can move his body in ways and arrays, you know, with the plasticity, in such ways where he can evade any type of gunfire, explosions, lasers, what have you, and he can grab onto people super, super quick by surprise. So in other words, he's 100 meters away. All of a sudden, there's an arm that's 400 meters away. He's able to do that. Here's a fun one. He can clone himself, and each of these clones have the same powers as Groot. By the way, he can create thousands of clones if he needs to. Now, the truth is, though, if he creates thousands of clones, they'll be smaller than him, but they all have a great amount of power on their own. And the last but not least, he has what's called dendrokinesis, and that's the power to control all forms of wood regardless if it's alive or dead. He can literally make it do anything he wants, whether you know the wood becomes animated, whether he wants it to just start attacking someone else, change shape, or even absorb it into his own body to kind of help himself grow stronger and bigger and enhance his own powers. More on that later. Put all that together. That is baseline Groot. And that is my point number one. Okay, now I actually really like what you're saying here because what the situation you just described is a perfect scenario for Doom Guy in that you have a powerful tree-like being who can sprout extra arms who then rips pieces off himself creating more smaller versions of himself to create the minions that Doom Guy would have to power his way through in order to finally get to the big boss at the end and that is group. Now thankfully, this is a situation that Doom Guy has found himself in. Oh a few times as we've been going here, and he's always come out on top whenever faced with such circumstances. You know, I would push back a little bit about the durability. The adamantium story is incredible. That sounds a little bit like an outlier. I know he's tough. I know he's durable. I would say maybe that's a little too durable for what I know that character to be, and that I absolutely believe that, to what I said in the first point, honestly, some of the lower weapons of Doom Guy probably not going to do a lot, but some of the bigger ones I think will definitely have an effect and you refer to Groot as having super speed. I don't know if I'm willing to go with that far with it. He is sort of a hulking brute, and he in combat, I think he can fight very, very quickly, but I think when it comes to which of these two characters could run faster, I definitely would think Doom Guy has Groot on the sheer agility factor alone. Here's the thing. I'll actually agree with you that there are some weapons that Doom Guy has that can affect Groot. I will kind of go that far and say the adamantium may be an outlier, However, I'm going to push back on one of your points. Groot has definitely got some form of super speed, 
where he can move way faster and he's much more agile. Remember, he can turn himself into almost like a wave of wood, if that makes sense, and kind of just appear, flow, move out into different shapes, configurations, what have you. But we're kind of not too far off on some common ground here. So right. with all of that said, Eve, you've heard point number one from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at in this battle so far? Okay, right now, Ray, I'm going to veto that speed thing. Like, I, I, I understand he's a space marine with some abilities, but human feet. He's still a human guy. Doom is guy. He, is he Eve Esquire? I'm asking <laughs> you, Ray Stacanus. Is I'll be, he? I'll be telling you that a little bit later on. I'm not going to blow all my big points now. Oh, well, anyway, until I hear further and convince me, which you must, I <laughs> nature's faster than feet. I mean, have you ever been in the woods? Have you ever gotten a rash in the woods? That is fast. Rashes do happen fast. I can definitely speak to that from out of oh. nowhere. Just so everybody knows, I, I take lots of copious notes as they're talking so I can think of my talking points. I take this very, very seriously. And Ray, I have a couple questions for you. Sure. Does Doom Guy have religion? That is hard to say. Now, he's fought wow. enough demons from hell that you'd like to believe he believes in something. But <laughs> mm-hmm. he definitely is not outward with any sort of faith-based items. So basically, he can, these demons that he attacks that are really hard to attack with human weapons, mm-hmm. he does it, accomplishes the mission. I'm sorry if I missed this whole entire point, but how? It's just, it's just pure raw power. Uh, in the first earlier games, you know, he was just considered a space marine. He was considered a very trained soldier who just happened to find the weapons that he needed in order to bring down the creatures but that combined with his own natural abilities. Absolutely. And in the later games, well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Okay. James, how does Groot handle wild tech, meaning people who may not be very stable mentally? Does it freak him out? Does he have PTSD? Or is he just very calm about it? Wow. There are some layers to you, Eve Esquire. That's all I'm going to say. Great question. Right now, as, as I understand it, Groot is very understanding of emotional beings. And he tries to be the reasonable person in the room. However, if something really comes at him hard or in a violent way, he can respond in kind to protect himself. And I'll go into this a little bit later. Groot was originally evil when he was first introduced to Marvel Comics. And he has since been you know, convinced to become good. And he loves humans and emotional beings. So he tries to go out of his way to, to play nice with people knowing full well how fragile they are and how powerful he is. However, when it's time to let loose, for whatever reason, he is more than ready to step up. And by the way, when it comes to tech, he's actually a genius. And I'll go into more of that in my point number two. Intriguing. Okay, let's go on to round two. All right, Ray Sicanus, the fight is on. Hit us with your point number two. Point number two for Doom Guy. Let's talk a little bit about his defense as well as his special abilities. Let's talk about his defense because Doom Guy wears what's called the Praetor Suit. And the Praetor Suit is his iconic green armor and helmet that offers healing as well as repair ability. Now, in the later games, it it in the early games, he essentially could just walk over power-ups would add to his armor, which would add to his healing. In the later games, that's kind of extended out a little bit more that he's dealing with this Argent energy, which is essentially energy... It's really complicated, but it basically comes from hell, and he can he has access to use it to fuel what he needs to do. The practical upshot of all of this is that he can he his his Praetor suit that he wears as a suit of armor does not hinder his mobility at all, but it protects him a lot from explosive damage, 
almost entirely uh, like when there's these exploding barrels that are in the game you the up the suit can be upgraded so that way when the barrels explode he takes no damage whatsoever it also can accept this argent energy to act to heal the person inside of it as well as make repairs to the suit itself consider the argent energy a little bit like tony stark's nanobots in that they can work kind of on their own to offer healing and repairs except they can actually heal the person not just the suit very, very important. Now, some of the durability feats and et cetera, because Doom Guy has walked through an airlock onto the surface of Mars, the surface of moons, and has has had no problem whatsoever. I don't know exactly how this works, but he didn't have any problem with breathing. He had exposed pieces of skin that did not cause him distress whatsoever. He just went out there and just kept on fighting demons until the next time he went inside somewhere. This is a potently powerful character when the vacuum of space can't really hurt his mortal flesh. He has a few special powers as well. He can use holograms to create alternate versions of items and himself to use as distractions. And you talk about Groot with the technology. Well, he could absolutely use these things to pretend he's over to the right so that he could flank over to the left and get a bunch of back shots, uh, backstabs, as the D&D crowd would say. He also wears Delta 5 jump boots, which allow him to make you know power jumps through the air and double jumps even, but also allow him to fall from great heights without taking any damage. But when you talk about the durability, he has a special power inside of him that's been described by the game creators as he always has just enough power to defeat whatever the obstacle is in front of him. And it's a little bit, I wouldn't say Toon Forcey, I'd say it's more Hulk Forcey. And I'll get into a little bit more of my point number three, but he always has the ability to raise his own power to match whatever it is he's facing. So if Groot is very powerful, which he is, Doom Guy will, of course, raise his own power, plot-wise or however, to have enough power to defeat him. And a couple of the crazy things that he's done besides the vacuum of space is, you know, he's a guy who sees a door. Most people would press a button to open it. That's what he originally did. Now he just reaches out with both hands and just tears the door off of its axis and just rips it right out so he can just keep on moving forward. He sees an obstacle as an obstacle and he just destroys it. He just cuts right through it like a, a, the old Gordian knot. So the last thing to talk about here is there was one moment that really struck me where he needed to get from point A to point B very, very fast. And that was through space. And it was essentially from one base to another. So he jumped into an orbital laser. He jumped into an orbital laser and allowed it to shoot him with laser light speed all the way through to the other base where he smashed through a wall that was at least one foot thick and designed to keep out any kind of weaponry. He smashed through the wall at exceptionally high speeds, hit the ground, and then just kept running. Didn't even break stride. This guy is tough, and I just don't know what Groot's going to be able to throw at him that's going to be able to hurt him. And that's my point number two. All right, this is cool because you actually answered a lot of questions I had about his armor, which again is iconic and awesome, by the way. I love how it's how you described it as being powered by hell energy. Yes. Uh, you know, that's that that should be on a t shirt. Powered by hell energy. <laughs> you know, something I mean it's just it's that's happening. amazing. Now tell me about this again. So he has the ability to you said become unnoticeable. How is that? Is he he, he can disguise himself. What is that again? Oh, he could use holograms. And so holograms. he could use hologram technology to, you know, disrupt and, and uh, disguise what he's doing. So that way he can have a better chance to hit somebody from the angle he wants. Love it. And that's something that is really, really cool. It's also something Groot's faced before. The what he does is Groot uses uh, the power of bioluminescence, where he if, if he's faced with a number of different holograms. He'll just say, OK, I'll activate his bioluminescence and light comes off the living being. 
that is actually the real person and not the hologram, whether they're visible or not. So that's a really cool power that uh, Doom Guy has. Thankfully, Groot has a way to uh, circumvent that. Now, it was interesting to me is that you said that if Doom Guy sees a door, instead of opening it, he smashes his way through it. Mm-hmm. Would you say strategically he's more of a barrel ahead, smash through the wall, as opposed to, hey, let's figure out a way to get around it? What's wild about Doom Guy is, yes, I agree with your statement there, but at the same time, he's never without a plan. He just knows the extent of his own limitations. He knows what he can do and get away with. And so he's super aggressive, barrels forward, but it's not blindly. He does it as part of a plan. It's just a very, very aggressive plan. So it's an aggressive plan wheel. He'll go forward. He has some thought behind it. But sometimes I remember playing Doom back in the day. Sometimes I would barrel forward and be like, "Uh oh, I kind of got myself into a mess. Luckily, maybe I can survive this and kind of retreat strategically and kind of, you know, figure out a way to get around it. Would that be a safe, you know, back, back up to a little bit and then fire rockets at whatever, enter the room and you're feeling a lot better about yourself. Got it. Okay. All great stuff. Again, love this character. He's awesome. Ray, you're doing a great job with him. Let me see if I can kind of help Groot out here with my point number two. You know, there's a lot of things about Groot that people don't know. So let me explain a lot of this that's going to help with this battle. First of all, you know, on a side note, Groot was originally evil when he was introduced into Marvel Comics. This has nothing to do with the battle. I just thought it was kind of cool. And he found himself when he came to Earth to be captured by a Canadian government group. And we all know those Canadians. They can Uh be very tough. Yeah, that's. I've been captured by Canadian government groups before. I've had to escape like Groot. Then, you know, it's just a whole thing. Just kind of fun. Now, just like Doom Guy, Groot has the ability to power up, right? So Doom Guy has different power ups, different abilities, different enhancements, all good. Now, the way Groot does this is through the absorption of wood. So he's made of wood and he can take wood from any planet, anywhere he's around. He can sense where it is, literally have it pulled up from the earth or from a tree, wherever. And that is his power-up, wood. He consumes that wood, he absorbs that into his body, and every ability he has gets powered up to another degree. The more wood he has, the more he can power up. And I'm talking about everything from his size increase to his flexibility, plasticity, to his dendrokinesis, to all of his abilities, his strength, his size, his speed. Everything gets powered up uniformly the more wood he consumes. Uh, Let's see. On top of that, uh, he can shoot out wood as projectiles. So he's got this ranged attack where he can shoot out parts of his body as either really super sharp splinters or chunks of wood or branches or even create rudimentary projectiles that are like maybe uh, slingshots or what have you and flung at insanely powerful speeds at his targets. He's also got the power. This one I love. It's called chlorokinesis because why not? Let's have another kinesis, right? Groot has the power to control plants, all plants. And that includes his physical form. He can turn his hands into blades, grow in size, all that kind of stuff I've already mentioned. But he can even use that power to heal himself from fatal wounds, right? So if he does take a big shot from the BFG, he's got the power through chlorokinesis to heal himself pretty much instantly. And that's on top of his healing factor. The way I look at it, he's got his healing factor that he uses all the time. But if he needs to tap into even more of that, he'll use his chlorokinesis. Now, He can even turn one plant using chlorokinesis into something completely different, into a different type of plant. He can even control plant microbes. It's theorized amongst the geek community out there that Groot's control over plants rivals that to a degree of Swamp Thing from DC Comics. Swamp Thing is that person who can create, you know, control plant life to an even higher degree than Poison Ivy can actually by far. And Groot is theorized to have almost a commonality with Swamp Thing. Uh, He's got a genius level intellect. Let's see, he, he received the finest education, so it said, of what's called photonic knowledge from his home world. And he's highly intelligent. And what the Marvel Wiki calls, he has a tremendous grasp of quasi-dimensional superpositional engineering. Ray, that's, of course, of course, you know, a course you and I both took in college 
uh, quasi-dimensional superpositional engineering, but that's something that Groot has mastered. Let's see, he's also mastered photonic knowledge or photonics, and that's the science of creating, moving, and detecting photons. It brings together physics, electrical engineering, materials, science knowledge. All about fun. Okay, look, all I'm trying to say with this, Groot is super smart. He can recognize what he's facing when it comes to technology. He's fixed technology. He's helped Rocket Raccoon, you know, create technology at the drop of a hat. This means he can immediately, and by the way, this also helps him become a really great strategist and tactician. This is how smart this person is. On top of all that, he's got his clones. Let's talk about that. Groot's clones all act in unison and in harmony to accomplish the same task. Now, in a past episode, Ray, we talked about Lobo. And you brought up a really good point that Lobo's clones, you know, unless there's a common enemy right there, they may actually turn on each other and start destroying each other. They absolutely would, yes. Absolutely. Well, this is quite different from Groot. His clones all act in unison, have the same power set, at least to a small degree, as Groot, and they will all go to Groot's commands. He can control thousands upon thousands of his clones, even if they're diminutive, to all kind of work autonomously, but towards the same goal to overwhelm something. Lots of examples of that. So on top of super healing, Groot, Groot can also replace his limbs. We've talked about that. And if an arm gets shot off, he literally grows another one. I mean, this is a very versatile card. So why, why is this all important? Because Groot represents a very different kind of opponent for Doom Guy. Groot is a rare combination of physical power, durability, and intelligence, and a little bit of a violent nature if he needs to call upon it, but, you know, Doom Guys face that. It's the emphasis on Groot's superpowers and his mastery of not just using them, but being able to use them creatively to kind of figure out different solutions to different problems he's facing. He's very, very strategic. Ask yourself this. How many times has Groot fought someone like Doom Guys, someone who's a superpowered, armored opponent with lots of firepower? Well, the answer is a lot, whether it's in space with the Kree, Skrulls or Iron Man, he's done it a lot. But how often has Doom Guy fought someone with all of the abilities of Groot? And the answer is he hasn't, at least as far as I know. That's my point number two. Look, there's some good things you're saying there and also some, let's just face it, some uh, uh, basura as well. Now, you ask how many people has Doom Guy fought that had the same thing as Groot? Groot is a very unique power set. So it's not like weird that he hasn't fought a person like Groot when he's fighting only demons from hell. A couple of things. You talk about all of the uh, Groot clones and all of them being smaller and trying to pretend like they have the same power level. They wouldn't. As he continues to make more, they would get smaller and smaller. And if there's one character that I could be representing that has no problem dealing with a horde of lesser creatures, it is Doom Guy. This is exactly what he was made for. This is exactly what he does. Additionally, you talk about the more power Groot could get through uh, absorbing all of the wood around him. It One, it matters whether or not the place we're at has a veritable forest around him, but also the weapons that Doom Guy brings to the table is going to vaporize a heck of a lot of wood in the environment and scenario, and he's going to have no problem blowing it out, creating a heck of a lot less wood for Groot himself to absorb. Last thing I want to talk about, and it's not like something you've mentioned, but you're pretending like Groot is sort of this leader of the team. As you said before, he's the muscle of the team. The thing I learned about Groot through reading the comics and Guardians of the Galaxy is he needs Rocket Raccoon to tell him what to do, who to fight, and where to go. Whereas he works in a team a whole heck of a lot. He's got all the Guardians of the Galaxy. He has Rocket almost always with him to help organize where he's going and who he's fighting. Whereas Doom Guy fights alone, that is a strength in a who would win battle. I'm going to have to give you some pushback on that. Use a race to Canis uh, term. There was, this is actually great. Groot, as a surprise birthday present for Rocket Raccoon, planned this big, you know, convinced Rocket Raccoon that he found this treasure map. And Rocket Raccoon went through the whole treasure map, went all throughout space, 
And when he finally got to the destination planet and found the X marks the spot area for the treasure, the treasure was a surprise birthday party for Rocket Raccoon. So Rocket Raccoon was traumatized. He was so angry at Groot for that that he decides to get payback. So what he does is he fakes his own kidnapping Mm -hmm. and assumes leadership over this horrible intergalactic warlord's army to to make to just to convince Groot that he was kidnapped and put Groot through hell. Groot had to find his way by himself through mazes of people trying to destroy him, going you know throughout the galaxy all by himself to kind of figure out this whole plot. And he finally did to figure all this out. By the way, Rocket Raccoon, horrible creature. Just putting that out there. Yeah, and what did Rocket do to him when he finally got to him? He hurt him. <laughs> Didn't even kill him. Nah, it, it 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 you thought he did, but that got retconned in a few episodes later. Or but few episodes in the later. story as it exists, Rocket Raccoon killed Groot. And if Rocket, a small diminutive non-godlike creature with a bunch of weapons, could take out Groot, what's stopping Doom Guy today? Wow, way to you underestimate fell into my Rocket trap, Raccoon. James Gavsey. Way to underestimate Rocket Raccoon, race oh, to Canis. That is, as a race to Canis says, nonsense with a capital I in the middle. Eve Esquire. Judge yeah, extraordinaire. I have a few questions. Also, I have a new movie project. Okay. Uh, it combines Groot, <laughs> Doom Guy, and Jim and the Holograms. Let's battle it out hologram like style. It. I'm I excited. Like I'd so, watch that music video. Music is magic. She's got the power. I can't believe James. James, it still makes me mad to this day. You didn't know there was a song called She's Got the Power. Here's the deal. Whenever you bring up Jim and the Holograms, and this is really important, are the misfits involved in this project? Okay. The shame about that movie is not only did we never get the misfits, we never got the stingers. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, big picture. Also, the best part of that movie was Kesha coming out as pizzazz. I sat through the whole thing for that. I'm like, but that's the movie. Why, why is the movie ending now? I, you know, anyway. so many questions. So many questions. That could this have been is- a cinematic masterpiece of the ages. But oh, no. Oh, no. No misfits. Uh, uh, yeah. Don't even get me started. And no stingers. I know, I know. Eve Esquire, before you ask us any questions, because your questions are indeed epic, we're now Thank at you. the turning point. This is that magical moment of the show where you, Eve Esquire, tell us who's ahead in this battle and what the other side has to do to pull out a victory. I'm kind of confused because for me, it keeps going back to what drives a thing, what drives a character. I'm very psychological. It matters a lot to me. This is why this battle was very interesting to me because we have Groot versus Doom Guy, who's had that name. Since 1990. Doom guy. And I've asked Ray some questions trying to get at the creamy nougat in there. And there doesn't seem to be one. I mean, the only creamy nougat that would be in there is if he went to seize candy and got some nougat. Outrageous, Eve Esquire. Let me tell you, he's a guy who sees a problem and he eradicates the problem. The problem is demons coming from hell through a portal. And he would see Groot as one of those demons with beyond a shadow of a doubt. And what does he do? He stomps out that problem with violence. So what you're saying is that he doesn't see souls. He doesn't recognize a being as being non-demon or demon. He will shoot first and never ask questions later. Look, when you when you face the hosts and spirit hosts of the underworld as many times as he has, it's not a time to be asking questions. It's a time to survive and blast on. Is there like anybody in Doom Guy's world that is like something he would not kill? He had a pet rabbit, and the problem was at the end of one of the early Doom uh, games, he closed the portal. He thought he killed all of the enemies, but what happened? Earth had been attacked by the demons, and they murdered his pet rabbit. 
It's a real John Wick situation. I was about to say John Wick situation. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. But you can look but, at a tree with a soul and know it has a soul. Not when it's attacking you and turning into many mini-me's around the battlefield. Well, I think that's just a strange way for a demon. I do not recall one demon tree, not even in a Sam Raimi movie. Well, no, those 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 trees were pretty bad. Yeah, they had they, they had some demonic power. They, right they, they actually, actually were saying that literally, out loud. Dude. Literally no, no. demon trees. Yes. Well, yeah, that is were, a veto for me. I veto myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like where this is going. Don't get me wrong, but who do you think is ahead here, Eve Esquire? I'm leaning towards Groot because oh, wow. Ray hasn't proven to me what drives Doom Guy. I. I feel like the world, like everybody's just a demon waiting to be exploded. I, I mean, don't know. When you put him in a land with all demons, that is the case. Who controls Doom Guy? How come he has all this faith and all this assurance <laughs> without having religion, without having a sense of self? Where does it come from? It's survival. He wants to survive as things attack him. Listen, Eve, I, I, everything you're saying is dead on correct, but if you had watched Jim and the Holograms and then said, hey, here's a way to vent... There's some demons coming through a portal. Wouldn't oh you be shooting instead of asking questions? Look, I was a seven-year-old child when that show got canceled for no reason. And they replaced it with terrible, terrible shows like Teen Beverly Hills. And if I had a chance to shoot mm. those teens from Beverly Hills, wow. you bet I would have. Yeah, I don't see them also- as human. I'll say that. <laughs> All right, Ray Seganus. This is another close match. We've been here a billion times before. No exaggeration. Literally a billion where you know one of us is slightly ahead. And we've both learned that we can't really get too confident too quickly. And I know that you're about to drop your BFG of points right now. Go ahead and hit us with your point number three. James, I think the reason you know that is because you also looked up Doom Guy. So let's just call this third (laughs) point God Mode. Oh, wow. Because one of the things that happened in the most recent Doom game of Doom Eternal is there's a whole lot of story that happened where he ended up sort of outside the gates uh, uh, of this this, uh, area. And he was taken in as an outsider, as an outcast, and told, you know, go into our fighting pits and prove your worth. And so he went to the fighting pits and he proved his worth. And they said, okay, you can join our army as we fight these hosts of demons as they come out. So just being a scrub in this army, having to start from nothing, he starts tore through all of these hosts of demons once again, as everyone around him is just getting killed and wiped off the face of the earth. And he's just having success after success after success. So there are these creatures these basically angels of this world called the Seraphim, and they put him in something called the Divinity Machine. They recognized his talent, and they made him a god through use of their technology. Yes, literally gave him god-like powers in something called the Divinity Machine. One of his special powers is very much like the Incredible Hulk. The more angry he gets, the more strength he gets, and the more speed that he gets. So as the guy starts getting deeper into battle when things aren't working well or he starts getting hit by some things or he starts feeling a little overwhelmed, his adrenaline starts kicking up and his rage starts kicking up and all of a sudden he's capable of moving faster and moving with a uh, great deals of and having great deals of strength. What does this mean? This means that we have these demons that are immune to human weapons and he's able to shoot them sure, but then his finishing maneuvers in this game involve ripping these creatures pieces off and beating them to death with it with his bare hands. He goes over to these very, very powerful demons, tears the horn off of it, smacks it so half its head goes flying off, and then goes on to the next enemy. This is how he deals with the problems in front of him. He takes his chainsaw and he cuts these demons in half. 
He knocks their heads off, cuts their limbs off. He's able to punch through demons who are wearing full futuristic armor. He gives them one, two, three punches and is able to punch through the armor, through the hard carapace of the demon and start pulling out what James Gavsey would refer to as the insidey places and the then shove term. it in their and then shove it in their mouths and move on to the next one as they explode. This is insane. The level of monsters that he's been able to defeat. He's defeated creatures called the Barons of Hell. He's defeated creatures called the Cyber Demons, which are gigantic 20-foot-tall minotaurs with rocket launchers on their arms that they rapid-fire. And he's defeated the very, very intelligent, I would say Groot-level intellect, spider masterminds, which are giant brains with metallic spider bodies and multiple chain guns, Gatling guns on them that just continually lay down suppressive fire. But that's not just it. He has killed Titans. They have basically said, we're going to take the biggest, nastiest thing we could find in hell. We're going to pull all the energy together and we're going to throw something that's like kaiju monster sized at the, at the doom guy. One is called the icon of sin. And what happens? Doom guy took him out. And if doom guy can kill these hundred foot tall kaiju Titans straight out of hell, I see no reason why what Groot brings to the table is going to be too much for him. And the final thing to mention here for this godlike character is he has the ability to use power-ups. This was very effective in the Mario versus Sonic battle that we had earlier where Mario leaned on his power-ups. Well, there's four power-ups in the Doom universe. You've got quad damage, which allows each of his weapons to fire four when they should be firing one, which allows him to overwhelm one character with massive amounts of firepower. He has one called Haste, which makes him move even, even faster than he would be moving otherwise. He's got one called Berserk, which allows him to punch something and have it explode. Crazy. And finally, Invulnerability. He has an Invulnerability power-up, which means nothing is going to hurt him. So at the end of the day, when Groot starts bringing in all of the attacks, the mini Groots, what have you, this is just going to be another obstacle. Groot looks a lot like one of the demon creatures in Doom who, when he looks at you, he raises his two arms up in the air and you just catch fire if he has line of sight to you. He looks a lot like one of those characters. So equating Groot to a demon and triggering those impulses is not going to be a problem for Doom Guy. And at that point, he's going to overwhelm poor Groot. And that's my point number three. Let's break this down a little bit. So what is the difference then? So actually, you, you talked about the difference between Doom Guy and Doom Slayer, right? Definitely increase in power, speed, and what have you. Really like how haste is, 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 is the name of it, as opposed to like, I guess, hurry up wasn't available to them. You know, who knows? That would be the Final Fantasy name, probably. That, no, that would still be haste. What am I talking about? That's fair. That's fair. I love how he's killed Titans. Now, in terms of his power-ups, how long does a power-up last? You know, I believe each power-up lasts for about 30 seconds. Got it. Okay. So 30 seconds of each of these power-ups, and then he reverts back to this new base form, correct? His new base godlike form, yes. Got it. And how frequently does he have access to power-ups? He gets them as the mission goes along. You know, I would just defer uh, on this particular point. Again, when you brought up the Mario points, you felt that he would those would be available around as he needed them. I would take the same liberties with Doom Guy. Got it. So just like these would be available to him, we can also assume the wood factor, because that's a thing, oh. would also be available to Groot. Is that, would that there be a fair be, assessment? There will be wood, James. It's just he's going to vaporize so much of it and make it go away. 
That's fair. Now, with this new godlike mode, does his strategy or ability to strike, you know, what he typically does, you know, that go straight ahead and shoot kind of thing, does that change at all or does that yeah. still remain the same? In Doom Eternal, when he's in this sort of god type of mode from the Seraphim, he, he still is going to attack people, but essentially he finds himself in a battle environment and he's going to use the environment. He's got this grappling hook that he uses. He does lots of jumps through the air. And so he's often doing a lot of strafing, a lot of using levels going up and down, you know, using his jet boots that's going to propel him around. And then he's using the grappling gun to uh, kind of move like Batman and zoom in towards people or zoom in towards areas he wants to go to and then hitting with a whole lot of force. Got it. So so quick question with the power ups. Let's say someone is firing at Doom Slayer with a very powerful weapon or they're shooting an energy, whatever it is, or hitting him with something. And for th- he's got that invulnerability power up. So for 30 seconds, he can take it. But when the 30 seconds is up, if he's still getting shot at, obviously, or if it's like a remnants of that shot, he is then affected by that shot. Is that correct? I would, I would think so. Yes. He's just very hard to hit at that point. Got it. Okay. All right. This is all good. This is, by the way, part of the makeup that makes Doom Slayer and the whole Doom franchise just absolutely freakishly, amazingly James- awesome. The demons call him Doom Slayer. His name is Doom Guy. So let me get to my point number three. Uh, let's talk about Groot's big feats, big wins, and the way he wins this battle. So let's talk about some insane things. I love bringing up insane things that Groot has done. And by the way, these are things he's done more than one time. So remember his chlorokinesis and his complete control over plant life? Well, Groot did something kind of interesting. In one comic book, he formed a forest, a forest wall around a town. And then he commanded through his chlorokinesis to have the town with the for- the forest levitate, bring the town and its people with him, take it into space, thereby somehow protecting the town, keeping plants intact, creating an atmosphere, and sending it to another planet fairly quickly. That is very powerful chlorokinesis. This is not a weak person who's like, hey, I'll turn that blade of grass into a flower. He can do that. He took a town ray with all of the buildings, all of the land, with the forest he created right then and there, into space, protected it to another planet. Here's another fun example. He took the plant microbes in someone's body, in their throat, in their body, and commanded them to grow. So all of a sudden, this person's talking. He can't talk anymore. He's choking on something. He can't breathe. He collapsed on the ground because all the microbes turned into some bigger plant within his body. That's what Groot can do. He's kind of funny like that. Uh, How smart is Groot? In the middle of one crazy adventure, he helped a character named Maximus out of nowhere, build a device called a relativistic feedback loop that could uncreate the reality of creatures from a dimension called the Cancerverse. That sounds horrible, Race to Canis. So what he did is he helped this character who's like, I need to create this portal and send these creatures back. I need to deal with this. Groot's like, I am Groot, which translated to, I got this, and helped him create this portal thing to uncreate the reality of creatures from a dimension, something he may be able to use, I don't know, in some way or shape or form in this battle. In this battle, this really just translates to, to recognizing Doom Guy and Doom Slayer and just how powerful he is to create a strategy to fight him. He's dealt with this kind of stuff before. How strong is he? He's held up entire buildings the size of scry- skyscrapers with one hand and towed, quote unquote, monsters the size of spaceships across dimensions. By the way, when it comes to towing things across dimensions, at least in space, somehow Groot can survive in space, no problem, and fly in space. Don't know how that works. Maybe it's chlorokinesis. That's the thing. How durable is he? He easily survived a fall from orbit. I talked about the adamantium platform melting. He's taken punches from the Hulk and even Thanos and been absolutely fine. How about some fun fights he's had? He had a great fight with a character named Gladiator, who's a literal Superman-level character in Marvel. Here's a fun one. Groot actually laid a beat down on Thanos, not once, but twice. Now, he didn't actually beat up Thanos, 
but he did kind of go toe-to-toe with Thanos for quite some time. Twice, that's super impressive. One time, when he accidentally turned evil, that was kind of fun, he fought Captain America, Iron Man, and the Hulk all at the same time and was beating them easily. None of them knew how to fight and how to beat them. All of a sudden, somehow, Groot got, you know, someone punched him in the head, and that kind of recombobulated his head, and Groot was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm actually a good person or a good thing. I shouldn't be fighting. But the point is, he was taking on all three and beating them easily. When confronted with this creature called the Monster of Badoon, that's one of my favorite things ever, this is a cyborg beast. The cyborg beast was strong enough to absolutely manhandle and defeat the combination of Silver Surfer, the Thing, and Colossus from the X-Men. So what kind of crazy thing did uh, Groot do to beat them? He enlarged his hand, took a swipe at the Monster of Badoon, which I think should have been Ray Sikana's wrestling name, and took his head clean off with one swipe. That is a creature that manhandled the Silver Surfer, one of the most powerful beings in the Marvel Universe. So here's how I see the battle going. They're going to go at it, and neither one's going to really know what the other one is bringing to the table. Doom Guy's going to fire some shots. Of course, now it's the Doom Slayer, as you know, called by his friends the Demons. There's Groot trying to figure out everything, but Groot's going to get a quick assessment based off Doom Guy's you know, strategy of go forward and blast the heck of whatever you're facing. That's when the really cool strategy comes into play, which is something Groot's done before. He's going to use his clones to overwhelm, not necessarily overwhelm, but kind of distract Doom Guy. Then he's going to use trees to kind of surround him. Then he's going to hit him with that power. Remember, he's super strong. Then he's going to use his chlorokinesis to cause stuff to grow. So even if he's got that invulnerability power up, it only lasts for 30 seconds. 30 seconds goes away. Now he's got stuff in his body actually growing and attacking him from his inside places. That's a real medical term. He's got way too many ways to actually beat someone as powerful as Doomslayer, and he's done it before against even more powerful characters. Put all that together, and that's why Groot beats Doomguy, and that's my point number three. Yeah, I'm not feeling that even slightly. Every single thing you just described just describes the buildup that Doom Guy works through to get to the final boss, Groot, and then eventually defeats Groot. You know, this creature or monster of Badoon, you brought it up to me before, and I had to look him up because I was like, wow, this guy sounds impressive, except for the fact he's really not. Silver Surfer and other characters have been able to easily manage him individually. So that one instance of him fighting all three and having success is actually the outlier for Badoon. He's pretty much put up there as a powerful monster that everybody just beats and everybody gets over. So Groot decapitating him, not really that big of a deal. The big point that I want to bring up here and the difference between these two characters, I've already mentioned how Groot relies on Rocket Uh, to kind of tell him what to do and boss him around a lot. Doomguy doesn't rely on that. Doomguy is self-sufficient. Doomguy works alone. Again, this is a one-on-one fight. Doomguy doesn't die. My goodness, he's had every reason to die over and over and over again, and he just keeps fighting through. He keeps finishing his missions. He keeps closing these portals, and he keeps getting more and more powerful, more and more strong. Groot, on the other hand, dies all the time In the comic books, his very first mission in 2007 with Guardians of the Galaxy, Groot died. Groot blew up so he could take out the enemies, allowing his friends to escape. And then thankfully, Rocket pulled a splinter out of him so he could grow a new one just like they did in the movies. Additionally, Rocket killed Groot in that aforementioned thing when you fell into my ray trap and you brought that onto the table. Rocket, who is definitely comparable to Doomguy, but way less powerful, killed Groot. So I don't see how Doomguy doesn't also kill Groot. Not just to mention it, a couple of few months ago in actual Marvel Comics, Groot died again with Rocket also dying to who? Doc Spectrum, the Green Lantern knockoff from the Squadron Supreme. He easily handled both of them, killing 
outrageous, but killing both of them. And quite frankly, up until the newest iteration, I've always considered Doc Spectrum to be a little bit of a scrub, to be quite honest with you. So it's not a great, not a great look for Groot when he keeps going into these missions and dying over and over and over again. That sounds exactly like what Doom Guy is going to do to him. Interesting. Has Doom Guy ever died? No, I don't think so. He's Wait. gone to hell. He's he's gone to hell and come out of it again. But this is the same character over well over a hundred years. Uh, he has he has fallen and had an entire cave collapse on him and been entombed in a sarcophagus. But he was just brought back a hundred years later. And I I'm not sure if he died and was brought back from just being stuck in a sarcophagus for a hundred years. Who wouldn't? Or he's just been in there and they kind of just brought him back out and, and gave him a cup of coffee and said, let's go. So the answer is yes, he has died thousands of times in his video game. But because of oh, video outrageous. game physics and video outrageous. game physics, something we've talked about at the beginning of the episode. We're talking about the regenerate. canon version, James, the canon version, not when James Gavsey plays him version. Two very different versions. That's true. I play Doom and uh, the new Doom Slayer. I'm done in like 30 seconds. Um, that feels right. That's feels true. Right. That's true. All right. Now. Eve Esquire, you've heard three points from me. You've heard again about four and a half points from Race to Canis. It's time for you to make a judgment. Tell us who wins. Take us through your process. Give us the Eve Esquire download, if you will, and explain to us who wins this fight between Doom Guy and Groot. Well, first off, I'm going to veto the dying and coming back because number one, Doom Guy by nature is a video game character. That's what he does. He dies. He comes back. So, and Groot, he's a combat character. He dies. He comes back. Veto. Cheetos with the vetoes. Mm. But here's the thing that has gotten me through all this. It's the insidey places. Groot seems to have a lot of insidey places. He has an ethical core, even with or without Rocket leading him, who, let's face it, that's not the best Jiminy Cricket for anybody in any no. situation. <laughs> but Doom Guy became God, and yet he still doesn't have religion? He doesn't have insidey places. There is nothing... He's not even self-sufficient because he has a player playing him. And the player playing him just wants to destroy everything. And with that motivation, Doom Guy wins. Well, but shoot. it's okay, Groot will come back. <laughs> I wow. I'm a, honestly, I was expecting about two more minutes of narrative, but you hit us with it, Eve. Just when you think you've got Eve Esquire figured out, she hits you with something you didn't see coming. But it's also very simple. Like nature. Nature just kills, and Groot has that going for him, but again, it's there's no anxiety places in Doom Guy. It's true. And, like, he's gone up against the Kree, and the Kree are these warriors who will do anything to win, but they're not. They're not Doom Guy. If they were Doom Guy... That's well, true. Let me, let me be the first to congratulate you, Eve, on making the absolute correct decision in this match. Oh, it pains my heart, <laughs> Raisin. <laughs> you know, I, I gotta tell you, the you know, I'm not convinced, Eve Esquire. I'm not convinced, but I accept the decision because it's it's you, Eve Esquire. And I've learned ever since the first episode of Hoodwin that you were on that I can't even start to fathom to to understand the complexity, the level in which you process information. So until I can even start, maybe I got to get well, those photonics. Mine includes a chainsaw angel instead of wings chainsaws. Oh, boy. Here I wish go. that would have been real. These are the ideas. These are the ideas. See, I always Whenever Eve is our judge on this show, I always picture that meme of the of the lady with all of the numbers and equations going through her head because <laughs> Eve will find the angles that we didn't, and we've put way too much time into researching this thing, and it doesn't even matter. Eve is going to find three, four connections and ideas that we never even came up with. Except I will spot. know what I. Except for my face will say, "I know what I'm. I know what I'm looking at. Nothing." Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
you know, true. that's it, true. Here's the Be thing. Confidence. Here's the thing. When a judge comes on, and Ray, you, you know a little bit about my strategy. I try to convince, I try to have a great argument and also figure out the judge and figure out what they want to hear and how they want to hear it. I got to tell you, I had a great strategy. I had no clue what Eve yep. Esquire wanted to hear or how true. she wanted to hear it. <laughs> I, I'm like, I, I, and I'm not the dumbest guy around, not the smartest, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, I, I had no clue because of the magnificence of Eve Esquire. I'll leave it at that. No, oh, it's absolutely I, true. We have we have Eve on the show when we want to present ourselves with a different kind of challenge. And we appreciate you, Eve, for that. Oh, thank you. I just have one question, though, James. Who was the government agency from Canada that found Groot? Oh, let's go get him. You know, that is the uh, agency that shall not be named. You, oh. you don't want to look in a mirror and say that agency name uh-huh. three times. You know what it I, is? I, it's, it's, I got it right here, Eve. It's the Bureau of Voldemort. Obviously, he just told you without telling you. Okay, somebody in 1994 that could have been me may have burned five Guardian cards that she got from Fleet. All she wanted was her Iceman card, but she got five Heather Guardian cards. Oh, my gosh. You know, I was going to send you uh, not a bribe, but uh, some incentivization. And it was a uh, what was the card you needed? Iceman. Yeah, I was going to send you. I was going to send. Yeah. You know, I had that card. Omega level mutant. Iceman. I was going to send that to you, but I felt like that I shouldn't try that with you as a judge. I'll know better for next time. I'll know well, better for next like time. Much like Rude, I have a deep ethical core. It couldn't have worked, but no. I would have taken it because that's your, <laughs> that's your folly. <laughs> I love it. All right. Okay. Listen, Eve Esquire, you are absolutely fantastic in every way, shape, or form. Can oh, you please you. tell our audience, who all love you, by the way, as do both Ray and myself, where they can find you and where they can enjoy all things Eve Esquire? Well, for Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, you can go to Eve Esquire. All one word, nothing abbreviated. If you want to try the TikTok, which I recommend you do, it's fun as heck. I'm Junk Food Genius 5K. I'm giving comic deep dives. Also, I'm preparing to gear up for another season of Part of This Complete Breakfast. It's where I watch old cartoons, kind of like in the style of Elvira, but for Saturday morning cartoons, (laughs) it's for children for 18 and up. Oh. I, I just told my kids, so, okay. Well, it's okay. It's still safe. It's just us going, what were you thinking? Oh, yeah. Why did we think this was entertaining? <laughs> they may ask you who Phyllis Shafley is, but I think that's a good thing. Kids need to be educated early. What was that cartoon? I think it was on NBC, but it was a Disney cartoon where the bears would eat this fruit and they gummy would be- Gummy bears. A- gummy bears. That's it. The gummy talking bears. talking about the uh, tales of the gummy bears, yeah. Name that tune. T-O-O-N. I'm- this is a show. This is a show. This is a show. Okay, so that's where you can find Eve Esquire. Race to Canis. Congratulations to you, sir. You did I a deserve- great job. I loved how you had to uh, pull in God mode, but you did it with style. You did it with style. A non-religious character, non-denominational character using God mode. My hat is off to you, good sir. Tell the audience how you feel with this victory. Look, obviously, I deserve all the accolades. I deserve all the kudos that are going to be coming my way. Look, Doom Guy versus Groot. This is a tough matchup because these are two tough hombres. But unfortunately, when we really started to break this matchup down and we really started to get into the insidey places of the matchup, if you will, I'll bring it full circle. I found (laughs) that the way these two characters matched up with each other point for point, pound for pound, Doom Guy just has it. Uh, over Groot pretty much across the board. And I was much more concerned walking in that his weapons wouldn't be enough against the regeneration and tough candy coating, if you will, of Groot. But 
once I kind of started getting into the really hardcore recent games, I realized I probably had a pretty good look at this matchup. That said, I earned it. You can find me at Almighty Ray on Twitter, and you probably should. Why not check out Knowing Is Half the Podcast? Why not check out My Three Dads? Heck, why not check out earlier episodes of this show that you either may have missed the first time around or probably should listen to again? I agree with all those points. You know what, Ray? After researching Doom Guy and the Doom Slayer specifically, I came to one conclusion, and that is that Doom Guy would be perfect for Guardians of the Galaxy to fight oh, alongside yes. Groot. But yeah, I don't think he's, Groot. He's very much got the mentality of Drax, but the weaponry of Rocket Raccoon. Exactly. And I also think that Groot has no business being in the Doom video game. That would not be a good no, place No, he for should him. avoid them at all yeah, costs. At all yes. costs. At all Don't costs. even play them, Groot. Don't even play them. That's right. All right. So this was another fun episode. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavsey. Remember to join the official Hoodwin Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Hoodwin Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. Go to Facebook, check out our videos, and wherever else you go for your videos and podcast content. On behalf of myself, Race Decanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.